Welcome to This Is Real Life with Jen Blossom, where we talk all things that make us most uncomfortable. From abuse to addiction and trauma to recovery, nothing is off limits. My guests and I will expose the parts of ourselves that hold the most pain and share the freedom that is possible. This is Real Life. Welcome to This Is Real Life with Jen Blossom. I'm so excited to have one of my really good friends here, Susana. I am stoked that you have the heart and the articulative ability to converse. I know I'm very, I don't know what happened. I had a cup of tea. Now I have vocabulary. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited to have you um, to my home and just to kind of talk about your story. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored. It's the first time I've ever done anything like this. So me too. It's really interesting. <laughs> I, you're so brave. You're paving the way. I, I love it. Know. Sometimes you just got to do it scared. Yes. Like, and just know, like, I know because I've tried things a lot. Like you're the first thing you try is going to suck. Yeah. And then you get better. Mm-hmm. It, that's just what happens. Yeah. So you know what? You're not going to get better if you don't start. Yeah. It's like, let's just give go. It a whirl. Give it a whirl. We'll see what happens. Um, okay. So we have how we met. We met because we have two mutual friends. Yep. We met on a boat. Yeah. I think. Well, the first time we met with the other friend, Steph, we met with her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I met you, but I didn't like it was I wasn't able to like have a conversation. Yeah, right, it was right. like busy or I don't even know. And then we had an we have another mutual friend and we started chit chatting because it was like a boat. It was like a boat ride. Yeah. A boat party. A boat party. And so you can't really like go very far when you're on a boat. No. This was not a cruise ship. This was a boat. So, you know, you're like talking to people and I didn't really know a lot of her friends. And so I just started chatting with you. And, you know, I think something that you and I have in common is we're both very honest um, and vocal with our honesty about like the str- the struggles and the trouble that we've been through. And Real. so- yeah. Real. We don't, there's no like pretending. We're not polishing the silver here. We're no. just showing it, you know. This ne- is real life. Unpolished. Like this is real life. Um, you have two little kids yourself. You are a wife. You um you, I mean, I'm always seeing you take your kids on these fantastic outings. Like that's kind of amazing. Um, my kids are in front of the iPad, so winning. <laughs> Um, I have ADHD, uh, so I have to take my kids places because I will be bored out of my mind. I, I, I mean, come on guys, you want to go for a hike again? No mom. No. Um, and yeah, but you're, you're momming it up, you're momming it hard. And you know, with that comes its own struggles and yes, you know, I think like a lot of our trauma actually shows itself, um, a lot more when we have kids, the age at which we were initially traumatized. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a really hard part of parenting. That's not exactly why we're here today. We're actually here to talk about something else, but that is something yes, else to I know. Mean, that's another point. Yeah. How you're still, you know, reliving your trauma through, mm-hmm. through, you know, there's new healing that has to happen in every season. It's, Amen. It's not just something that you can heal from and you're better and you're all of a sudden just like right. a complete whole person. No. Trauma. Trauma. And I think the thing about trauma, which is interesting is 
it is the one thing that we cannot see. Like we typically don't see the broken, like we see a broken arm. We see like, um, you know, you're in the hospital and you've got tubes and whatnot. We can see that. And so it makes sense to see you. And like, then we, we like want to offer you like some time to recover. Cause like we've seen right. like with our eyes, it's very interesting in terms of like trauma and emotional and verbal stuff. Like and sexual stuff like you no one really sees this mm-hmm. and yet they you know and it's hard for them to like give you grace to like heal they just assume you should be just over it you know right i like to try to you know because i think when i was first healing and kind of going through it i just had assumed like you go to therapy and then you're fixed yep no no this is a lifelong journey of healing from your trauma mm-hmm. so let's get into yours so it's hard every day <laughs> where do we start with you so, um, I am born and raised in Orange County, okay. so native here. And I guess it, it's good to have a visual. I should have brought a photo of like a picture of my family when I was a child. Okay. Maybe we can edit that in later. Ooh, that's right? very fancy. And I will figure that figure out. It out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think here, let me move this. I here. think something that's interesting because we've we see a little child, a little family. Mm-hmm. And when you have the visual and you realize that trauma could happen to a person that small or in a normal looking Christian, um, Orange County, normal family, it makes it, I don't know, a little bit more real that it could happen to your child, that it could happen in your family, that it, that the statistics are actually accurate. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I think that we assume that abuse and we assume that like addiction and trauma and all these horrible things happen in like low income, uh, very uh, stereotyped areas of the country and um, types of families and how they, what they do for jobs whenever like, no, no, like this abuse happens like, like family abuse. Um, because we're all broken people, so mm-hmm. we abuse each other until we get healthy. But um, it happens. Do you know? Well, anyways, we'll go into statistics later. But okay, go. No, yes, I like stats, right. but it's true. And you think about um, that something so small or seemingly so small that can happen to you in a short period of time can affect you for the rest of your life. That's one of the craziest things to me. I think I've um, I'm reading the book, um, the trauma trauma keeps no the body keeps score. Such a good book, and it talks and it's really like you know when you're when you're you're supposed to be developing with like like the perfect world has like a mom and a dad and they love their Mm -hmm. kid and they're able to offer it time and energy and nurturing and discipline and all these things and when you don't get those things that your body and that your brain was actually made to need you're going to adapt incorrectly. You're right. going to your brain, parts of your brain are not going to function and like even grow properly. And so depending on the time in which you had your trauma or whatever's going on, no matter if it's complex and it happens over years or just one incident, um, during that time, you will have parts of your brain that don't develop as they were intended to. Right. So you're going to have repercussions the rest of your life because you didn't have the foundation you know, to make these different decisions as an adult or whatever, because that it never re you, you have to fix it. I know through, tra- you know, through work, which it, is what I love about you because you've done a lot of work. So it's like easy to have a conversation. It's not easy to have a conversation with someone who hasn't done their work because well, they're still hurting. Right. And you, and if you start to talk about your trauma, it just can be so overwhelming mm-hmm. that you feel the floodgates open and you, 
you don't have time to deal with that because it People, takes that's, months. That's why they don't want to go to therapy. Yeah. They're like, I just don't want to cry. I just don't want to, I don't want to talk about that. That that's, that's irrelevant to this. Oh right yeah. Now. I've been oh, in really? a therapy <laughs> session and then go home and end up with a fever and yeah. can't get out of bed for days. Like your yes. physical body is affected 100% by the things that we internalize. 100%. Especially when you're a child and you're silenced or like all oops, part of my story. Right. Um, I started, we, it was my mom, my dad, my sister and I, my sister is about, um, I think she's four and a half or five years older than me. Um, I guess four and a half. And she was always a little bit troubled, always different. Okay. And I noticed that and I felt, I don't know what it was, but I always felt like I needed to protect her. Interesting. Did she, do you know about her? Like, did she have any trauma? Like, I mean, before, you know, like that caused you say she was troubled, like was there any troubled and she would, I guess the first thing that ever happened was I was being sexually abused by my sister um, from my first memories until um, she left with my dad. So about three and a half until she was in eighth grade. So I was going into fourth or fifth. Um, I should preface my story with this. One thing I have learned through talking to my mom, talking to my dad, starting to really put together the timeline is that, because both kind of have conflicting stories, Mm -hmm. um, is that our memories are really what we think happened. Mm. And so it may not always be as accurate. I mean, I was sexually abused. That's accurate. But my feelings and the way I felt was so much stronger and is more of what I remember Mm -hmm. than the actual timeline, the actual, how long was it happening? Where was it happening? I remember the fear. I remember the terror. I remember the shame and the guilt much more than. So, okay. So you said it was three. So you have, you have memory of being three and a half. So my first memory ever that I just remember as a child, I was at my grandparents' home Mm -hmm. And I was watching my sister be sexually assaulted by our older cousin. I see. I was asked to sit in a chair and guard the door. I see. Um, um, I saw his penis and I saw his penis go into her vagina. And, and this was forced. This was forced. She was screaming and it was, I don't know where parents were. I don't know where my grandparents were. Um, I think that my grandparents were babysitting us all and the parents were I'm like were nauseous out. just hearing this. And this is, this is your body like processing. Like, I just want to let you know, like I'm feeling yeah. very, I'm more aware of how I'm feeling, like how this mm-hmm. affects my body as I, as I grow up. And I just want you to know, like my heart and my like stomach, like I'm, yeah. I'm messed up about it and it didn't even happen to me. Right. I mean, that's and, a lot. And part of me actually feels like, and I really thought about this a lot. Am I able to share what happened to my sister because that's her story. Mm-hmm. But really it's so intertwined that there's no my story without her story. I understand that. And her and story under- could be different. And I understand you wanting to protect that. Listen, I'm all about honoring people. And but that, I mean, if that's your first memory, I it's a part of your story. And um yeah. and that is horrific. How old was your cousin? Um, I think he's probably Four years older than her. Okay. Um, I don't actually know. I should probably 
I mean, I think about that. We, I mean, he's much older. Um, and back to what was happening to my sister, like your question, I have found out later, she has told me, she believes that he sexually assaulted me that day as well. Okay. I have no memory of that. Okay. In fact, I've done a lot of therapy and hypnotherapy Mm -hmm. to try to find out if there was more sexual abuse to me by anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so far from the digging, I don't believe there was. Okay. Um, but she has a memory of being me being tied down on the bed. So it could have been that she remembers me being abused and it was actually her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We were so young and it's it just was trauma. Well, your brain at that age isn't able to mm-hmm. understand that. So it is overwhelming. I mean, I remember when I was young and I would just disassociate, right? Where you numb out, you can't remember. You were there, but your body, it's so painful. It's so overwhelming that you got to tap out. Yeah. Tap, tap, I'm out. You got to go, which is a great way to live when you're little and you don't know how else to survive. But Mm -hmm. now it's like, okay, well, I got to figure this out because it's obviously still affecting me. Um, So then, so, and then your memory goes from it's over with them. And how, when, how was he to her? So apologetic, like, no, throughout her life, she says that he was raping her until she was 16 years old. And she finally told him he was disgusting and gross and that they're cousins and to stop. And if he didn't stop that, she'd kill him. Okay. So this is what she told Mm me. Um, he told her like, we're not blood related, which is true. Um, our, our, their parents were both adopted. Our parents like I don't relate to being related to him. Um, <laughs> uh, our parents are um, okay. But he was still raping her, so right, okay. uh, right, right. Doesn't matter. I know, and it it brings it's hard for me because that's the other thing is do we expose people who have victimized others? Because now, like I randomly heard that you know that he might if he was getting married or having mm. a kid or whatever, and all of that is hard. I know because. <laughs> I don't have a relationship with that side of the family in any way. Mm. Um, recently have reconnected with my dad and we have talked about all of this. Okay. He's actually coming next week to visit um, and been able to talk about it all. I had a really hard time having a relationship with my dad because my sister kind of alluded to the fact that maybe he had abused her. Okay. And I believed that Mm -hmm. because that's kind of what everyone was telling me. All my therapists were like, well, if your sister's abusing you, she's being abused by someone else. It must be your dad. Okay. And I did have every sign of being sexually abused. So they put me in therapy. Mom and dad. Um, Okay. So I guess I should. Yeah. Let's go back. So, okay. You, so this was happening at grandma and grandpa's and it continued and it continued with them. So in that instant, when that happened, um, as soon as I was allowed out of the room, the only thing I remember is trying to tell my grandmother, grandma Cletus, who's dead now. And I remember grandma Cletus putting me in timeout in the back of the house, which was my grandfather's barber shop because it was attached to the home. And they lived in Northern California Mm -hmm. and the barber shop was always so freaky to me because it had scissors and knives and razor blades and those, that blue water. So Mm -hmm. I just have memory of sitting in this barber chair in the dark with the blue and like 
it was nighttime. So like light shining in from the moon or the stars or whatever it was. And I just felt like I was in a horror movie, even though I didn't know what a horror movie was. Right. And I remember processing, okay, never ever tell an adult about something like that. I don't know why I'm, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. I'm sad. And I feel worse now Mm -hmm. than I did before. So don't say anything Mm -hmm. anymore. So I learned really quickly that adults cannot be trusted, that nobody has your back. And I started to be afraid all the time. I had night terrors every single night. Um, My sister started sexually abusing me. I'm assuming it was after that point at some time it began with objects. And you have memories of all of this. All the memories. Fucking sucks. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it fucking sucks. (laughs) And, uh, oh my God, it's, it's so bad to think of a little child. Cause I look at my daughter who's four and a half I know. and to think I was that age and I know. someone was hurting me and disrupting my sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was so scared every single night. I dreaded night. Night was mm-hmm. the scariest time for me. And, um, was this like nightly? Was this every, it was every night. It was often. Luckily, my parents ended up getting divorced. Okay. Um, the other thing I should lay out there is that my parents were a part of kind of some interesting religious groups. I okay. would say like culty, like we were on a Moshav in Israel and Tel Aviv and they're like Jews for Jesus. Not that they're bad, but it's just, just you throw in some religion groups. there and it, it can get a little And then we, in Montana, we were a part of like a Mennonite group. I don't know how crazy involved we were. I would, one day I need to like sit down and get all the facts. But I mean, we were, we went to all the meetings. We didn't have to wear pants uh, or skirts. My mom <laughs> made, let us wear pants. Okay. But there was like some ancestral stuff happening oh, I'm over sure. the, on that mountain oh, in Kalispell. Sure. Like it was, the kids were creepy and gross and it was a weird thing. So early on, sexual over-sexualized, I was exposed to so much in these close-knit religious communities. And it was weird because you feel shame. And then all of a sudden, I started getting orgasms. From the My objects. sister. Not from objects, but oh. from mouth. Oh, okay. So she would orally... Mm-hmm molest you that way. Mm-hmm. It became, it was such a, a crazy feeling to, there's still pleasure. It's still, I was a, so little, I didn't, I didn't even know. And then right. when my parents ended up getting divorced, they got divorced officially after my dad had kidnapped us. So, um, I'm five at this point already like experienced more than a lot of people in their lives. That's right. And, um, my dad, my mom goes to every other Sunday when they were trying to kind of work on their marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, they made this, they were separated before had moved back together in orange County and decided to work on things. Every other Sunday we went to church with her. And then the other Sunday we would go do something fun with my dad because he didn't want to go to church on Sunday. Okay. And, um, it was his Sunday. And I remember it was shortly after Christmas, all our Christmas things were still up. It still smelled like pine in Mm. my house. You know, the memories, it's like the smells, the sounds, the feelings, Mm -hmm. what my mom was wearing. I remember just feeling this ominous feeling like something bad 
is going to happen today. My cat hid. We couldn't find the cat. Interesting. So it's like an earthquake, you know, when a cat knows something's going to happen. And I remember it smelled like brownies. My mom was baking brownies for the church. Okay. And, um, I remember looking down from upstairs and she was getting in her car and I just had this feeling like you have to go with your mom, go with your mom. And I ran downstairs and I tried to chase her car and she just waved at me. Mm. And then my dad told us like, we're going to go ice skating. Okay. Like, here we go. Let's go. Um, we get in the car, but the car, like he had this big, um, Mercedes, the like sick SL 600, that like big boat looking one. And it was packed to the brim with stuff. And I was like, why, why is it so packed in here? And I remember I couldn't even sit with a seatbelt. I had to like crouch up to the ceiling in the back seat. So weird. Like I was on sitting on things and he was like, I'm going to move my office. I'm like, okay, whatever. Sounds fun. As long as we're going ice (laughs) skating. Sunday, fun day. Yeah. As long as we're going ice skating, I'm good. We kept driving and driving, 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 hours, hours, hours. Okay. My sister starts crying and I think she already probably knew what was happening. And then I remember my dad took us to a McDonald's Uh and he let us know that our mom was a witch, that she was like doing things to us in our sleep, trying to like, I don't know, like hex us or something in our sleep and that he had to get us away from her. Now I haven't talked to my dad about this memory okay, and I probably should, but in my mind, this is exactly what happened. Um, my sister remembers it similarly, but I don't, um, in my mom, it was like more traumatic for her because did she know that your dad was taking you so away? It was like a matter of an hour and a half. My mom came home and our things had been moved. The mm-hmm. electricity had been turned off in our home. It was a rental. Okay. So it had already he had already like canceled or and left her high and dry. Left her high and dry. She said she came home and her it was it's funny because I think of how traumatizing it was for me. I now that I'm a mother, I'm like I can't even freaking imagine coming home and my kids are gone. Yeah. And I have no idea what happened. And he'd been planning it all along. Like that's terrifying. So she, we lived, um, I guess she was able to walk, but it was kind of a long distance. Cause it's like, you know, community, like your home, like a neighborhood where you have to walk a ways to get to a grocery store. Cause she couldn't get back in the car to drive. Oh, Cause there's no cell phones. No cell phones. That's and right. the, Oh, and the electricity, it was turned off. So oh, she oh. couldn't use her phone in the house. Okay. 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 So all in matters of, so this is very well planned. Oh my God. So my mom, um, she walks to a Ralph's yep. and uses a payphone Cause okay. that's what they had yes. then. And cause she was shaking. She couldn't drive. I, okay. And yes. then calls, um, a friend to come pick her up and they deal with it. So we ended up, we were missing for months 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 where did you move where, what did you do he took us to montana back up there to montana um he got a house he okay. had we had toys and gifts his like assistant was with us more t- more of the time than he was okay um and yeah that did was, you get back into the church up there is that why you moved back up there or? no i think we visited them but we were not in the church we okay. went ended up going and he enrolled us in school and everything it was it was crazy. Do you did you have a good relationship with both of your parents when you were little? That's an interesting question. Um I feel like my view of my dad 
and the way I actually felt toward my dad got warped by therapists and okay. my mom. So I don't really know. I'm trying to re-get to know my dad now mm-hmm. and just accept him for who he is okay. instead of like, yeah, you were a shitty dad. Well, you can be a shitty dad and just like accept it and you're a shitty dad, but you can yeah. still have a relationship, you know, if yeah. you want. But so what, but like, what about with your mom? Um, yeah, we were close. Um, I felt really connected to her. Honestly, both of my parents weren't, I feel like my dad was more affectionate and loving, but my mom wasn't super open. And in her, her side of this is that she was so traumatized herself and living in such a difficult environment Mm -hmm. that she was just in survival mode. Was he abusive to her, to your mom? I mean, she says he was, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's stories that like he let her almost die and that's why we moved back from Montana. Okay. What happened there? I mean, that's, is, we're, I'm only five. This is, I'm five years old. Long story. We're on, we're on book two. <laughs> so, book two. Okay. So you're in Montana. Okay. Um, that time she had pneumonia and I was probably, I mean, I was like three. Wait, hold on. Did she find, like, why'd you, so you came back, uh, your dad brought you back on his own free will or like the FBI got in, like, what, how do you do this? Uh, the, the, um, government or the police found you. Yeah. In Montana. So my parent, my grandparents and my mom hired a private detective. Okay. They found us and then it took a couple months to get us back to her. Okay. Because of all the court proceedings. So where were you in the interim? Staying in Montana. Oh, with going him. to some random school. With him though. Yeah. Okay. With him. Well, and this lady, I think her name was Janice. So. Janice. Some random were assistant they, who took me shopping and let me buy a bunch of clothes and toys. And, and were they having a thing? I have no idea. Okay. My dad's been married, I think, like five times. So oh, okay. I don't know. So in between. Yeah. Okay. So okay. they haven't gotten divorced yet. So, right. so right. Um, what led to the divorce somehow, and my dad and my mom have differing stories to this. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. My mom, he was given full custody of us on the day that he left. Like his attorney was owed a favor by the judge, supposedly. Mm-hmm. So he got full custody of us the day he took us. So it actually wasn't technically kidnapping. kidnapping. So in order to get it all worked out, it took a long time in court. And then they got officially divorced. Um, that was also traumatic because I had to testify who did you want to, do you want to live oh, with? God. Who do you love more? And I, um, so we're back from Montana and I just remember I didn't want to be near my sister. So mm-hmm. I just asked them, where is my sister going to live? And they said, she wants to live with your dad. And during the time where they're trying to figure everything out, I think we did two weeks on two weeks mm-hmm. off, something mm-hmm. crazy like, um, so when you went to Montana, was the abuse continuing? Oh yeah. This is all happening. Um, in the car rides. Oh my, oh my God. So your dad was, com- did he know? I asked him that a year ago and he says he doesn't. And I have one memory when I was, um, before he left me at an airport when I was in fourth grade, I have this memory that summer of, um, looking, she was finger fingering me. I'm so sorry how graphic this is, but no, no, don't, I don't apologize. People are choosing to listen. Don't you don't apologize. You don't have to listen. This is your truth, baby. You, you say, um, I remember 
looking, he was, he looked at us in the rear view mirror and there was a blanket over us. He had like a Bronco. Okay. So he could just like sit across the seat. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I just I didn't know what to do. And I wanted to scream, help me. And mm-hmm. I couldn't speak. Mm-hmm. I felt like trapped. Yeah. Well, you learned at a very young age, don't say, don't say anything. Yeah. You're just going to get in trouble. And that's when I, I remember looking at him thinking, does he know? Right. Does he actually know what's happening to me? Right. It's so bizarre because people have asked me, why didn't you say something in that moment? Why didn't you? And I'm like, I, I couldn't, you're so, it's like you're brainwashed. You're scared. You're, you're (laughs) everything. And it, it was, there was a lot of fear and I guess I should go back to that. So I'm five or five and a half. Um, we get back, they figure out custody. I have to say that I want to live with my mom Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be around my sister. My mom and I have been to therapy and discussed all of these things. So after I tell the story, I'll tell like her perspective of that. Um, we, once we were enrolled, we went to Cardin, um, private school and, um, I, at, I don't know if it was that point or the year after, but it ended up going to every other Wednesday, every other weekend at my dad's. We would With s- her? With her. I was with her every Wednesday and every weekend, okay. but I would get four days off every week. So you could sleep for four days. And what also ha- started shifting was that it didn't happen at my mom's house after that. Okay. So at the beginning it did, it happened at like during the height of the divorce, it happened really often. Okay. Um, and that was also when I learned to shut up and not tell anybody. Um, we were staying with this incredible family, the family my mom called when she, for help, Mm -hmm. they took us in. Okay. They, they didn't even have enough rooms for everybody, but they, the most amazing family. And to this day, the daughter Carrie, um, is one of my very best friends. Mm they all live in Texas now, but we lived four girls in one room. So it was a bunk bed situation and a trundle situation. Mm -hmm. I was on the bottom bunk and my sister was on the bottom trundle. Mm -hmm. And I told my mom, I just, I started asking her if I could sleep with her in her room. Mm -hmm. Mom, can I please sleep with you? Can I please sleep with you? So when my, my kids ask me that, I'm like, okay, (laughs) you sleep. If you need, I I have to really figure out why. Because she didn't ask why. She was so consumed with her. She just said no? She said no. No, you cannot sleep with me. You can't. So finally, after pressing and pressing, I told her, Mom, I can't sleep in the same room as Talia. She touches me at night. Okay. And my mom didn't say anything to me until I remember we were sitting around the dinner table. And for some reason in my mind, this felt very traumatizing. It felt very shamey. Like I felt shamed and I felt embarrassed. Okay. So she calls me out at the dinner table with this other family and their three children and the parents and me and my sister. And she's like, Talia, stop touching Susanna at night. She doesn't like it. And she wants to sleep with me because you're touching her. You need to stop doing that. Because she thinks that you're, she's like bothering you. Well, we have talked about that in therapy. Okay. I'll come, I'll come back okay. to that. Okay. So of what she thought. Okay. Um, so then that night, I don't know what kind of knife it was. I don't know if it was a butcher knife or a butter knife or Jeez. what, but my sister crawled in bed with me that night. With a knife. With a knife. I'm in kindergarten. Oh my Parents God. just divorced with a knife to my neck and I woke up to it 
and what it, and so she got so, um, like ballsy that she would do it with the other two girls in the room. Mm -hmm. They, we had like this rain sound. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't even, but still, I mean, wow, that is ballsy. So I don't know. I do know one other person that was being abused by her in our family. Okay. So, but I cannot no, 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 say no. who that person is or even like allude to it because it would. No, it's not um, your story to tell. Yeah. Um, but that is very interesting that it would be that she, it, it wasn't just you. No, multiple offenders. Yeah. It wasn't just you. People think that too. They think that they're like the only one. So they keep, you know, like you're, they're trying to contain it and protect their abuser and kind absolutely. of find out. I absolutely protected my abuser. I felt sorry for my sister. I understand that. I felt like, I don't know, but she, when she came, she put her knife to my neck Okay. And she said, if you tell anybody ever again, if you ever mention this, I will kill you. Okay. And I believed her. Of course. She would write these, why she's so disturbed. She would write these stories. She probably would have been like, if she had kept up with it, like an award-winning horror novelist. Oh my gosh. The thing she wrote was always about kids committing suicide. It's just a child writing this stuff. And so your, you know, your compassionate heart is seeing her hurting and you... So I'm, I'm wondering this after the abuse would happen her to you, how does, how did, how does that end? Does she just go to sleep? Like, like, what is that? Like, what do you do? Like, like, does, does she do it until you're pleasured or does she? No, no, she just did it until she was done. And I don't think the pleasure happened often, but it did occasionally happen. Right. I'm not sure when that, when it was pleasurable because but, it's, I didn't want it to happen. Even no. though it was pleasurable, your body I still, is responding. I still didn't want this. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not alluding to that. I, I, I understand that. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, for her, like, 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 when is she done playing with you? Like, just when she's done? Like, when she's over it? Like, when she's bored? Like, I don't even know. Right? Like, yeah. I, 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 that's like where my mind goes. Like, okay, like, and then you just go to sleep. Like, <laughs> I didn't. I would just always be. Well, tired. not you, but yeah. I mean, like her. Like, how? Like, how? Did, how was that? How was that? Um, a lot of the time I would pretend I was asleep or okay. just like ignore it. Yes. Like try I to pretend that. it's not happening. Um, and then as things ramped up, as we got older, mm. um, it, I mean, I don't know if I should go back to what my mom, like, do I go in with timeline or do I talk about the bees? Cause I could go back and say, yeah, I want to hear it. Let's go back. Okay. Let's try to stay chronologically so okay. that we get it all. So my mom's perspective, which recently we were in therapy a year ago um, together because I was just having anxiety attacks when she was at my house. Like I just... When your mom was. Yeah. Because I just felt... I've I've tried to talk to her about it and Mm. she just wouldn't talk about it. I understand. Yeah. As an adult. I'm like, listen, Talia sexually abused me and... For a long time. Wait, can I say that again so we don't have to say the name? My sister... You, You said her name already before. It's okay. We'll, we can, uh, whatever. We can I mean, block it out. If you I don't want. think she'll ever see this. She, she's a whole nother story. Okay. Well, that's obvious. Okay. <laughs> she lives off the grid. Doesn't have internet. Oh, she's not going to see this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my, you were having panic attacks. So you ended up going to therapy with your mom to talk about, to this talk stuff. about this. Cause I really, really needed to her to acknowledge the fact that she did not protect me. Yes. Because when I said it to her, she would, her argument was, well, you got to go to college. And I'm like, 
I felt unsafe and scared. I don't care if I had a college degree. I'm a stay-at-home homeschool mom. Like, Wait, hold on. What does college have to do with your sister abusing you? She felt like my life wasn't that bad. And she protected me as much as she possibly could. Now that we've been through therapy, mm-hmm. she was able to have a little more empathy. I I hate to throw my mom under no, the bus. No, you're not throwing her under the bus. My mom literally is babysitting my kids right now while I'm here. Right. Um, no. And I love her to death. I just understand. And also I try to come from the perspective of what would I feel if I found out one of my kids was abusing my other kid? Right. I don't think you're, I don't think anyone's ever prepared for that. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because hopefully we can kind of just offer some ideas of hopefully how to we can break the cycle. That's the hope. The, the secrets keep us sick. I'm all done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Yeah. We're done with that. Um, we're done protecting people who don't need protection. People can protect themselves. If mm-hmm. you don't want to, if, if, if she didn't want you to say this about her, then she shouldn't have done it. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. If, if, if you didn't want to be called a rapist, don't rape. Yeah. If you don't want to be called a child abuser, don't child abuse. Like it's just the truth. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. And I don't think so. And at this, and I wanted to, I wanted to offer some grace to your mom because I don't, this is not about her and whatever. I think that as people, she did what she thought she was the right thing to do. I'm not excusing the behavior because I think as a parent, you're responsible for that, but I appreciate the fact that she's growing and, um, she's able to be a mom to you in a different way now yeah. than she was then. And that's a beautiful story. Yes. Um, and she has a since apologized. So it was, that's lovely she was, for your healing. She was able to have some empathy and compassion. Yeah. Um, the, it, we went to see her therapist Okay. and her therapist called her out on a few things. I think was hard for her uh-huh. um, because she's felt victimized by me almost. Which is That's interesting. An interesting psychological term, yes. And she um and he really got to just speak the truth in a way that mm-hmm. she understood and heard. And so her perspective of the abuse, mm-hmm. when I told her mm-hmm. she's touching me, she's like, I thought it was like because she would beat you up. And the therapist looked at her. He's like, wait, so you knew your daughter was being physically abused, beat up by her sister. She's like, yeah, I mean, she did. And and it's funny because when I tell my story until, yes, last year, I forgot all about the fact that she would freaking beat me up. She would beat me. She would cut me. She would throw lamps at me. It was torture being around this human she also threw my mom down the stairs. She broke her nose. Like okay. this girl. Yes. She was intense. So it's that's so, a polite thing to but say. But it's so weird because I don't even associate my trauma with being physically mm. abused because the sexual abuse was so freaking traumatic that that stuff just was life. Right. Physical, that was physical, that was more like normal like physical could, pain yeah. in comparison to this guilt and shame and feeling like your whole childhood is taken. Goodness from you. gracious! That's why sexual abuse is so complicated. It's so bad because you are learning that pleasure is shameful. Yep, that's what you learn as a child, and to then have a marriage 
where I'm supposed to enjoy this. Oh yeah. Holy crap. Now you like really have to re you have to relearn your sexuality. Okay. Anyways. Oh, and that's something I should talk about because I don't let my husband go down on me. Okay. Yeah. Because, because I've still got freaking wounds I and understand. I'm pretty well adjusted. Like not, well, it, it, it would be hard to be. And that's the, how do you be pleasured in a way that you were once abused? It's so hard. That is a comp- baby steps. Yes. So we'll get there. We'll get there, baby. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. So you're okay. okay so, so now mom. your mom, but okay. But your mom's trying her best now. Okay. So then after the therapy, so, so she, your sister was abusing somebody else that you found, you found out not the other girls in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then know. I haven't asked them. Okay. I probably should. Well, that's right. And that's mm-hmm. theirs. Um, so then after this, so now you go back to the Wednesdays, every other weekends. So then it ramps up when we've got that where I'm every Wednesday, every weekend with her mm-hmm. and my dad. Yeah. With my dad, every other. Right. I'm with my mom full time other right. than that. So it's very complicated. I don't think it's psychologically good for any child to be in that um, confusing. No. I mean, I have ADHD and I don't know if my brain changed because I had to just deal with my life. But it sounds like you had a lot going on. Yeah, I had, I <laughs> you, had a lot You going. ended up kind of like chaos felt comfortable. comfortable. Absolutely. And so that's like kind of the ADD thing, right? Yeah. Like, and I kind of live in a fantasy land currently. Like it makes that. me a good mom because I'm always up for an adventure and just living in la la land. Well, <laughs> but I had to. That's right. That's up there. That's a, that that's might not. Me. Absolutely. That saved me. God bless that. Yeah. Thank you. God protected me and he gave me. Yeah. And, and that's something I should also say that I feel like the Lord was my Jesus was my imaginary best friend. So, so at the time you had a relationship with Jesus, even though, it, okay, absolutely. And I don't, it's so weird. I always had such a strong relationship with mm-hmm. the Lord. I always felt like his child. I never associated him as a male though. Okay. Interesting. I assumed like, I felt like a motherly love mm-hmm. for him, but, and he was also like a buddy. I talked to him all the time. Okay. And I never, the thing that got me through, even as a child, I was so intuitive and young. I read my journals at like eight years old and I'm talking about how I'm so grateful for my life and grateful that I'm not an African with AIDS born in a hut. Like the things that got me through it were knowing how blessed I was mm. to be born in America, to be the person that I am born into the life that I was born into. And so I tried to focus on all the things I was grateful for and all the things, the blessings that God had given me Mm -hmm. instead of the things that were hurting me. I mean, that's a beautiful way to live in the, I mean, listen, it worked. It worked. It worked. What a blessing. Oh my gosh. So even though the crazy, that's like religion's crazy, right? The rules and all this crazy stuff. But like the fact that you were able to have a relationship with Jesus and that was what got you through knowing that like he was there the whole time. Yeah. I remember in my own trauma thinking I was never actually alone. Yeah. There was comfort in that. Like, and like he was the one I could come to. No one else, you know, you cry and you cry and no one hears you, but he hears you. Mm-hmm. That was so, for me, that was so comforting, you know? Yeah. Um. Okay. And then did you, <clears throat> so then how are your relationships with like friends? Like, did that impact your relationships with girls? Like, 
or um, guys like growing up? Were you promiscuous? No, like how did that? I was not. Okay. Um, I think I was just really terrified of sex. Okay. Um, I remember, so for my sister, before my dad took her away and left me at the airport, um, how old were you when that happened? I was going into fifth grade. So the three of you were at the airport. Yeah. But before that time, my sister would have me act like a stripper and she would turn on TLC. So I have a really hard time listening to TLC. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. I mean, I'm so, I'm so much better now that now I hear it and I don't feel triggered, but for a really long time, it was difficult for me. Like it was so like she MTV would have you, music videos. So on. she would have you dance for her. Yes. Like I was a stripper. And, and it's so weird to even say out loud. Cause it's like, why would you do it? Why wouldn't you just say no? But well, I, cause you're scared to death. I'm scared to death. I also wanted to give her solace. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to therapists about this, that I did have this attachment to her. It wasn't until recently that I had a really healthy feeling for her. I always loved her. I dropped everything for her. She needed help with her kids. I would drop my class, get an air on an airplane and fly <sighs> and take care of her kids, organize her house. I always had this really unhealthy. It's, it's a trauma bond, yes, right? Where you're absolutely. bonding with your, I mean, and if you've not been through trauma, I, I, I'm not expecting you to understand this. This, this yeah. is not something that your, your adult brain understands, but it is the truth. It's you so weird. have this bond because it's, it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I'm, was she always mean to you or were there times she was nice? I think the, the times that we were, that she was being sexual with me were the nicest times. She would coax me into it by being Girl. really kind and sweet to me. And mm -hmm. it felt nice to have her be nice to, to you, to be nice to me. And I, but I also knew that I couldn't be affectionate with my sister because it would lead to something else, which is a horrible way of growing up because you can't have a natural, like hug her. You can't naturally hold her hand. You can't have a relationship no. with your sister. That seems like what I saw other people have because I knew where it would go. Yeah. And I never wanted it to go there. I mean, I think as we got older, so uh -huh. the summer before my dad left me, we were in, we were on a, um, family vacation and we were with other children, other kids. And I remember we were playing truth or dare. Okay. And someone asked her like share a big secret. And she said, I don't know if I'm a virgin. And I, it was the first time I remember hearing that and thinking like, huh? So what is that? I'm going to look that up and like looked up what a virgin is in the dictionary. Interesting. And knew that. It, so then I was like, am I a virgin? Like I, I didn't know. Okay. At this point in time, and this is like the weirdest thing to talk about. And for a while I tried to pretend it, that this wasn't real, but this is a part of me. And I, mm -hmm. I was masturbating at a really young age. I just shared this on a girl's weekend. Cause I was telling them that I was going to come talk to you. And it's so bizarre. I mean, I was, so I, I think that that's a really interesting point because something that happened to you as a child, you are still feeling shame for right now. That's why you didn't want to talk about know. it, you know, which is so dang it. But there is somebody that's very close to me who also was sexually assaulted, raped, molested the, the whole deal. And they too, for them, the masturbation was actually a way to self-soothe. 
Yeah. Um, that's what they learned through their sexual abuse was that uh, in order to soothe, if I'm stressed out, if I'm that's the irritated, right. Yeah. And what they're learning is that they can count on that because there's always a release mm. like addiction. You can, you know, drinking a bottle of vodka is going to get you to feel better. It's a sure thing. Yeah. Right. Um, so inter- I mean, that is, that is not abnormal. That is very, very normal for someone that has yeah. been through. Well, I know, but it's such an abnormal thing to tell people. Well, people don't even talk about masturbating even when they haven't I been know. sexually assaulted. I know. Okay. So and that's that. weird. So anyways, okay. So I, I remember, I mean, so the, all of these things were interesting. And, and so then I go into, um, I mean, I was in, I think maybe it was second or third grade and I would tie my sweatshirt around my waist. Okay. So the, like the knot was like right okay. on the vulva yeah. and, um, would just go to town on my desk. I didn't even realize that it was inappropriate. Right. And no one noticed it. No one thought that was weird. Okay. It was, uh, interesting thing that I had going for me. And I remember when I was a freshman in high school and I realized what masturbation was because a guy was talking to me about it in one of our like free periods, I stopped. I was like, Oh my God, that's weird. Okay. So I had a very, no one was talking to me about sex. I was in currently in therapy. They were prodding me saying, is your dad molesting you? Does your dad touch you? Does your dad blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, my dad doesn't. Wasn't my dad. You didn't even tell them it was your sister. No, because you didn't even I tell the didn't, therapist. I didn't even know that it was wrong. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't. You knew you were scared, but you didn't know why you knew you didn't like it, but you didn't know why. I just answered the question. Right. No one said, is anyone touching you? Interesting. Maybe I would have. And that's something I think needs to be like we need to, parents need to be educated on is to understand the questions to ask, the right, right questions, the follow-up questions. And how about not like, wait, you're telling me, I mean, it's like, yeah. come on, watch your tone here. Look, this is a very sensitive subject. Like, okay, honey, like b- believing them. Oh my gosh. Have you, side note, have you watched the Netflix documentary film thing called Unbelievable? Oh yeah. That is if you want to know mm-hmm. about how to destroy someone and mm-hmm. traumatize them for a second time, worse, <laughs> secondary traumatization. Trauma. Yeah. Secondary trauma. Um, but even, but to see the difference in somebody who has been sexually assaulted and the way that they're interviewed about it, um, in the right way and then the wrong way and how that just kind of plays out for their life. Like their, their narrative, their story is, it's you have to watch it. Yeah. And, and I feel like as a parent, as a, as a human being, it'd be really nice to know how to talk to somebody. Shoot. I mean, listen, and there are people that make up things. I get it. I get it. We're all a little suspicious, but that's kind of a thing you don't really make up. Right. You don't really, it's not like you're like proud of it, you know? So I also am watching, I I guess I'm watching a Netflix live. Did you watch Miss Americana, the Taylor Swift thing? I didn't. Okay. Listen to this. So she was sexually assaulted. She was in, I think she was 17. She was at a radio gig and the, um, the radio interviewer was like touching her inappropriately and she told her people and they got him fired. He then comes back to sue her for like defamation of character or something like that. 
and she sues him for a dollar because she wants to like go to trial so they can like have this conversation. She goes, do you know that I had a photo? Seven people saw it happen and I'm still having to defend myself. Can you imagine being it's your word against his word? You're screwed. Yeah. So for her, I mean, just think about those things. Like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't mean these people just assume they're allowed to do whatever they're allowed to do. And then you call them out and you're the bad guy. Yeah. Fuck that. I know. No. Okay. Long story short. I mean, I always say that. Like, if there is anyone out there and they need to come clean to someone and they need someone to believe them, call call me. Yeah. Oh, I will believe you. Yeah. And you know, and, and it's, and regardless if you liked it or not, it was still not okay. Right. Absolutely. It was still a violation. And that's the, that's the part in your mind when you become, um, when a predator coaxes you, when they, it's, um, hot dog groom, when they groom you. Yes, they do. Right. I have a lot of friends that have been groomed. Right. And you know what? And then you end up, the feelings are that that your abuser really does love you Mm -hmm. and care for you. It's Mm -hmm. all bullshit. No, they don't. They want you to stick around so they can abuse you some more. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the way that, um, so you stopped with the masturbation when the I was in high school. High school you realized that it was weird. You, yeah. um, so did you tell any of your friends? Like, how does, how so, does one go about? Well, I should back up to say that I stopped, I stopped acting out in school and my behavior drastically changed when my sister and my dad left my life. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So that was really, really interesting. It was just kind of a relief. Um, (laughs) And that was when I was in fifth grade. Uh Um, So my dad, we've talked about this day. Last year, we sat on a couch and talked about this day in a real way that was very healing for me because every time I tried to talk to him about it before, he would say that was the worst day of my life. I had to leave you. Mm -hmm. You're the adult. You're the parent. And I got on, I, we got in the airport and I thought we were all coming home. You know, school would begin in a few days and summer was over. And I thought we were all going on the airplane together. We, we literally, he acted that way Mm -hmm. until he even had bags Okay, up until we got to the terminal, um, where they're boarding. And, um, my dad handed me my, my carry on and the stewardess knew it was just me and her, like that I was going with her. They had like a companion with me Okay. and he told my sister started screaming and crying and threw herself on the floor because, because she knew she wasn't going to see me again. So so that's another thing about her behavior. That's how she acted like a toddler in every situation. Interesting. Um, and my dad said, you're not going to see us again. And, um, I didn't say anything and I took my bag and I got on that plane and I remember I, we, I had like seven, I don't know exactly. It felt like seven stops and layovers. Of course. I don't know how many exactly. It felt like a lot and I vomited the whole time. Mm -hmm. I remember the person sitting next to me, um, after the stewardess asked me if I wanted a drink, I just started crying. Mm-hmm. I just started bawling. And she was like, okay, I don't know what to do. This She's this. not thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it was all in yeah. me. And I ended up bearing my soul to this guy next to me and a oh. male adult that I did not know. I, 
I'm sorry if you ever hear this. I'm like, sorry for doing that. <laughs> I was like, that, that was me. <laughs> I traumatized you. And I remember just being like, I'm never going to see my sister or my dad again. And it was, was, ha- was he kind to you? Oh, so kind. Oh. And he was just like, okay, I'm so sorry. Like what's going on? And ended up talking to the stewardess for me oh, and so getting sweet. like juice for me and things that I needed. And it was so weird Wait, so why did your dad leave you there or why did, so his side of the story now, Mm -hmm. at least what we talked about last year, um, he kind of explained who he is. Oh, and, um, he was diagnosed with, as a psychopath, um, when, before he was even 18. So he says that he, he wishes he was stronger. He wishes he was better, but he cannot feel he doesn't feel empathy. He doesn't feel for other people. And it's very difficult for him. He says that even growing up, he knew something was different with him. Because was he, he abused as a child? Um, I, I mean, I don't, he has not told me that. Okay. I mean, be interesting. I feel like his life story is another story. Oh, I'm sure it is. And I can tell you that privately, but I feel like no, no, that's his story. No, that's that. his story. I mean, he was an adopted kid. Okay. I mean, there's a lot. That's, trauma. there's that's a, traumatizing. Oh, oh, like okay. a yep. lot. There's a lot of stuff okay. there. I mean, I could write a book about his life for sure. Um, we just actually reunited when we found his birth father. Okay. Um, but he told me that he was, because he did a lot of crazy things. Like he would just jump off a roof because he just felt like it didn't care what would happen. And then one day he decided to kill a bunch of cows, torture cows and kill them with a gun. And he went to juvenile hall, was arrested. And that's when he was diagnosed as a psychopath. I don't know if it was in therapy or in the jail. I forget that detail, but it was so healing for me to hear that he was who he, he was before I was born. Right. This wasn't about me. Yes. Oh, how freeing. And it felt like it was about me. My whole life, he didn't want me. He didn't love me. Oh. He abandoned me. No, he didn't have the capacity to love me because he doesn't have that ability. This wasn't me. Yeah, I just got placed it. with that guy. Yeah. So it was uh-huh. kind of just like, oh, okay. As a child, we always assume we are the ones responsible. Yes. That's a hundred percent. This was my fault. Uh, oh, right. I did something wrong. Yep. And it was so amazing. And that was like a year ago. Oh. And I'm 34. Right. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm 34 and I'm like, oh, wait, my dad's and mom's divorce wasn't about me. Yes. I'm finally getting that. Yes. Well, that's trauma too. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and you flew back home. Was your mom waiting for you? It's totally God. Okay. And my mom's side of this story is really interesting because she said she got woken up in a dream in the okay. middle of the night. She was up in LA and she, something told her to call her voicemails so she could listen in on her voicemails. And mm-hmm. it wasn't like a voicemail machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There was like a collect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could call. So in. she called in and listened to her voicemails and heard my dad say, Talia and I are not coming home. Pick Susanna up at 6 AM in San Diego. And my mom was in LA staying with my grandma. So um, my mom had enough time because it was the middle of the night to get down there, to get down to San Diego and pick me up. It was so bizarre. My mom and my grandma picked me up in San Diego and they're, they take me miniature golfing. Okay. And no one says anything. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
I hate miniature golf. <laughs> You're like, like, if you know me, I, I could, hate sports. I could use a little like emotional <laughs> attention right now. Yeah. Like, but no. It was like, hi, how are you? It's a great day. Let's go miniature golfing. This will be fun. And I just remember being like, it's like the fucking elephant in the room. You're like, does anybody in or around this area see or smell anything different? No, no, it was nope, nope. So, We're just going to go the miniature golfing. It was so weird. I'm sorry. Actually, I haven't talked to my mom about that. I should. <laughs> That's weird. Okay. I mean, she just didn't know what to do. I And when we've talked in therapy, she did say in therapy to the therapist, which is bizarre, and I got angry with her, was if you had spelled out to me, mom, I'm being sexually abused by my sister. I was, she says, I was so naive. I wouldn't have known what that meant. She said that to me just a year ago. And I looked at her because I was angry Mm -hmm. and I was like, then you had no business having children. It's kind of my belief. (laughs) I was like, why? I'm glad I'm this in this is the world, problem. but what were you thinking? Well, that's the problem. You don't have to have any thinking capacity to have children. Oh, man. You don't have to think. Like you, it's, it's really, IQs don't have to be high to have babies, no. which is really bad. Yeah. Really, really painful. Um, okay. So now you're living with your mom. I'm living with my mom full time. My behavior drastically changes. I stopped acting out. I stopped getting called to the principal's office. Okay. I mean, I had been like asked to leave a school because I ran away when okay. I was in second grade. Um, there was like, I was just a mess. Well, I yeah. right. you had every right to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was a mess. I okay. still was kind, but I was a yeah, mess. Yeah. But she, yeah, you um, had some issues. Yeah. I mean, and so I'm living with my mom and I continue. I knew, I mean, I knew that my mom as a single mom wouldn't be able to afford for me to go to college. So I had to get a college scholarship. Mm -hmm. So I worked my booty off to get good grades so that I could get a college scholarship. Um, I got a a music theater and partial academic to APU. Um, I was a singer, actor, dancer, and to the rest of the world, nothing was going on because I am such a happy person, genuinely happy. Mm. Like if you know me and anyone that knows me, I just am not like the cynical, like have this angst against the world. Like I really truly believe that life is beautiful and fun and a great adventure. That's a gift. That's a, that's a gift it's for from you to the have Lord. that. Yeah. That's a gift. It is. It is. So it was Because you had every right to be very, very angry and very, you, that was, but you, cho- you chose. Yeah. You chose. I had my time. Yeah. And that was kind of recent, recently when I had my daughter, when I was, um, when I was hormonally unstable. Oh my gosh. Then you bring that into it. Yeah. Golly. And that's when I was like, and I was diagnosed with my autoimmune diseases. That's when I really fell off the deep end. Okay. So, so do you, do you meet your husband like in college? I met my like, husband, my senior of college, okay. he was getting his doctorate at Chapman. Okay. And, um, I remember I met him at a party Mm -hmm. and mutual friends, and he talked about how he was getting his doctorate in physical therapy because he believed in the healing of hands. Mm. And he, he's like, I don't, I didn't know why, but I had this gift because he was on a football scholarship. Okay. You know, he Mm -hmm. went to Santa Margarita. Um, and I just, a, I was like, he's so hot (laughs) and he's a Christian and he like, believes in these spiritual things that I believe in. Like, who is this guy? And I, and in my mind, he could never want to date a girl like me. Mm. Cause all I saw was a damaged, broken person. So did you have many boyfriends? 
Oh, so yeah, we should go back to that. Um, I liked older guys. Okay. Um, I did not, I lost my virginity to the guy that like, I thought I was going to marry. Okay. And I was like 18 or okay. 19. Okay. It was right my summer before I went to college. Okay. I loved him. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's, he's a great person. There's nothing, we weren't compatible, but there was nothing like horrible. Mm-hmm. In fact, picking him helped me avoid kind of this intense, uh, party life mm-hmm. that a lot of those girls went down that, Absolutely. that summer. Um, I mean, I did my fair share. I was not, I would try anything. Okay. So I was, I did a lot of drugs. Um, I don't think it was all in high school, but occasionally would try things mm-hmm. in high school. I didn't, I didn't have like an addictive personality, praise okay. God. Um, I just, I, I worked hard. I feel like I was a good friend. Okay. I was on the worship team at mm-hmm. Calvary. Yeah. I was to the rest of the world. Fine. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to circle back to when I did reveal a girl in high school in my group of friends, um, shared with me some trauma that she experienced. And I in turn shared my trauma. Okay. And then it ended up circling around school. There was rumors that I was a lesbian. Um, it, Oh. Susan is a liar. And I am so sorry. Yeah. Sucked. Sucked. Um, and things that were really, and it's funny because I talked to my girlfriend today who did my hair. Thank you, Alicia. <laughs> Looks um, great. Looks amazing. <laughs> I talked to her about it because she was like, when everyone was saying that you lied about these things, I was thinking, she was thinking, why would she lie about that? Right. Why would she ever lie about that? And it was because there was really interesting things in my life. I didn't know that everyone else's lives weren't as intense as mine. I look at me. I am the same as you. <laughs> I, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I didn't know anybody else. Like I thought everybody was like this. Yeah. You're a kid. You're, I had layers to my life and I'm, I didn't know some people in some this people Christian go to community- sleep. And they just go to sleep. It's just like a good life. And they like get a dinner and they like their parents talk to them. Yeah. And like they care about them and like take them to do things like, wow. I know. And I had told kids that I had been kidnapped and I told people. So they just, they're like, this story is so crazy. It can't be real. Right. And I told them there was one clincher because my grandfather was in the Olympics and they were like, I'm like, well, you could Google that now. But in high school, we didn't really have the internet. So now they could actually check. So you, right. So yeah, girl. And they all, one of that, this friend who spread the rumor also tried to break me up with my boyfriend who, and, um, she told him I was a liar and he ended up going to my mom and she told, he obviously collaborated everything. I hadn't told him about the sexual abuse. So he, and she, that friend luckily didn't tell him. Um, that's okay. The boyfriend or the husband? The boyfriend. Um, how, okay. So how, so I'm interested. So then you get, when do you tell your husband? Okay. So I told my husband and I would say like, it's funny looking back. I didn't have like a traumatic sexual experience with my first experience. It wasn't like I got raped with your first my boyfriend. sexual experience. Yeah. Your first. We were together yes. for a long period of time before right. we, I lost my virginity. We loved each other. Music was on. It was like a romantic your, experience. Your, your first mutual experience yes. was lovely. It was lovely. I lost my virginity in probably the best teenage way possible. Great. I don't regret it. It was fine. I did have a lot of trauma that I didn't know about. 
right. that I didn't realize would come about in sex and I didn't know why. Right. But we really didn't have sex that often, I wouldn't say, because I went ended up going to Christian college and having all that guilt, you know. Right. Um, it's probably why he broke up with me. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Um, yeah. Uh, but with my husband, I think, I, gosh, I need to ask him when I told him. So, because that would be, a, I mean, holy cow, you like are trying to like put your best foot forward and you're trying to look okay. like, so that's why he has told me to be honest with the details okay. because not we, he, I told him, Hey, like I was kidnapped. I was this, my story is crazy. I know like my life was crazy, but like, I promise I'm not crazy now. Um, <laughs> I was sexually abused, like, uh, like the list. And he never questioned it. He okay. never asked me follow-up questions. He never was like, so how was that? What was that like? But he did feel like something's weird with your sister because you'll go fly off and take care of her. And she's psycho. Okay. Like what? But he never in his mind, and this came out in therapy once we were married. Okay. Because yes, okay. we had horrible sex. Okay. We're going to get, we're okay. going to get there. Yep. So in our sex therapy, it came out the details. So she asked me to tell him the details. And then, I mean, he was crying. He was, oh. I remember like, wait, first of all, is he okay that you're talking about him? I'm not going to share his, any of okay. his story, but you're going to, sh- he's okay with you sharing your sex. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. He's open. All right. Um, I didn't ask him if I could share anything about him. No, I don't want to know. I, what I'm saying is like your sex together. He's okay. With. Yeah. 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 Okay. He's an open book. All right. I mean, cause, and I think because we've done so much healing and our sex is great now. So don't worry. Good for you. It can, you go can, team. It can get there. Go, um, go team. I think if it was in the height of yeah. that time, no. that would be a different story. Yeah. But now that we've had so much healing. Yeah. It's like bizarre. You know what? I so well, this is great. Redemption of sex yes. is great. Um, I think we're actually gonna stop here okay. for today. All right. Because so. I think this is a great spot to start because I think we can pick up and continue yes. the adult once the adult the adult part. Okay. Um, so stay tuned. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm like so proud of you. You're like you're like a superhero. Well, I'm probably gonna cry right after it. <laughs> You can cry when we do it. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.